You're listening to the True Life Church Podcast. Sermons are recorded at our Sunday gatherings from Melbourne, Florida. True Life Church guides people to take the next steps in their relationship with Jesus Christ, to grow, belong, and serve. We hope this audio message encourages you to take your own next steps in faith. If you'd like to know more about our church or attend one of our gatherings, find us online at www.truelifemelbourne.com. Today's message comes from Lead Pastor Joshua Smith. when I'm still writing on my sermon. Uh, every marker I've got is used. We're going to get through it today. Um, it's not, I'm not writing on it because it's short. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. Uh, but uh, I'm thankful for God's Word. I'm thankful to get into that Word together today uh, with you, and I hope, I hope you share that, that joy with me. Um, side note, I'm also thankful that... Uh, I didn't know uh, that was going to happen this morning, but I'm glad that we are in a church that also thanks uh, the pastor's wife. Uh, and it was Pastor Appreciation Month or whatever, but uh, that was my wife up here earlier, in case you're new. And uh, I treasure her very much. She just had her birthday on Friday. Uh, she's 25 again. I don't know. It's amazing. It's just every year, it just ups again. It's only 25. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so we, we choose... To, to have like a try to stay at home mom wife scenario and it's hard some finances are ups and downs like everybody else's I guess but um, y'all don't know how much I appreciate her uh, to enable me to do what I do so that things cannot be as stressful at home so I'm thankful that you are thankful for her also so hooray I invite you to stand as we open God's word together Let's turn to Acts chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3 to begin. If you were here with us last week, you might ask, oh, that's what we did last week. Yes, uh, we're just going to read this together, and then we're going to go into where we are going today as we continue in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for the ability, um, the opportunity to open it together. I pray that you would reveal uh, to us that what we need to to know uh, that even beyond the words that I speak, um, that you would and can, I know you can, lean into our hearts, discern our ways, see if there is anything unright or unbefitting of you in our lives that we would weed it out, not by our own doing, but in the presence of that spirit that dwells in us. So God, thank you for your spirit in us, for those who believe, and for those who do not and might be here this morning or listening even on YouTube or some other place, God, I pray that this word which has already and will transcend time. It will stand forever. I pray that this word transcends virtual space as well uh, because of who you are and reaches into their hearts that they might come to hear and come to know that you are God and the way of salvation. All these things and more, even the groanings of our hearts too deep for words, God, we lift them up to you in this time. The True Life Church says, amen. amen. Thanks, you may have a seat. Last week we covered these first three verses we just read about uh, Herod Antipas, not Herod the Tetrarch, and and Herod uh, had we, we read this 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 Menaean was a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch there in verse one. So we covered a, a, an interesting angle uh, in these three verses last week that Herod um, had met Jesus. He was one of the ones who presided over his trial. Um, Herod was interested in what he said on numerous occasions. He wanted to meet Jesus and sit down and talk with him. He finally got that chance again in his trial. And then uh, he played dress-up, unfortunately, and mocked him and put him in a purple robe and spit at him and other things. So that went a little bit differently than he might have originally intended. But the outset was very interested in meeting with Jesus. So he met Jesus. He was interested in what he said. And he had friends in his own household uh, who were Christ followers. And that wasn't enough. Because was Herod a Christian? No, there's, there's no record at all 
But he was, if anything, quite to the contrary. So as a reminder, what sets us apart from the world? It's simply Christ. We can be in the world. We can do what we're going to do or not. However, Christ in us separates us from the world. We already read here in verse 2, kind of little side note, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And if we don't understand the Hebrew, that's okay. Uh, my book is not in Hebrew either. Mine is in English. Uh, if yours is in Hebrew, hopefully you can read Hebrew. Uh, mine's not. Mine's in English. But a fun little note is that if you have the Hebrew Bible, the word for holy, some of you may know this, is set apart. So instead of, if you had like the holy tabernacle, it would be the set apart tabernacle. When you see the disciples going to the holy place, it would be the set-apart place. It's the way it was called. And so when you and I receive the Holy Spirit, in a sense, what do we have? We have the set-apart spirit. And that's actually the way that literally reads. We're going to read that. We have the set-apart spirit. So it's kind of interesting to note that then that set-apart spirit, then we read in verse 2, says, set apart for me. It's just, in other words, a sense of make them holy and put them on Mission, the set-apart spirit, setting apart for something. If I asked you to identify, and I, I don't have pictures for this, but I can, I can imagine that you can imagine with me. If I asked you to set apart for me, we had two categories of blueberries and strawberries. How many people would be able to set, set apart the blueberries from the strawberries? Feel, feel pretty confident about that? I'm not seeing some hands, so that's making me a little worried. Making me a little worried, all right, okay. All right, if, if I asked you to set apart a, a car from a horse, we could set these things apart, right? If I asked you to set apart Georgia Bulldogs from the Florida Gators, we could, we could do that, right? We could set them far, far, far apart from one another at odds. Enmity for all time. Um, go dogs. All right, so it, it could set these things apart, but that's based on our maybe our common knowledge of things. If we got more specific... And I asked you to set apart for me, I don't know, let's say a Neapolitan, Neapolitan six-chord from a German six-chord. Music theory, anyone? Yes. No one? No takers on a Neapolitan six-chord? like ice cream? No. Not Neapolitan ice cream. Neapolitan six-chord and a German six-chord. Could, could you set those apart? No. If I asked you to come up and identify or set apart for me mallets versus hard sticks, a few of you might be able to figure that out, right? And something specific, context in your field. If you invited me into your, I don't know, your office of engineering and you asked me to set apart these things from those things, <laughs> I, you wouldn't want me doing that because I, well, I don't know, right? So the more specific we get, right, the more our innate ability gives us to set apart things. What does God see? God sees... Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Guess what? It's very easy. As easy as bananas and cats to identify between the two. It's that easy for God to look upon our hearts and be like, you are set apart. You are not. We're going to come around to this in a little bit later. I hope that ties in. We're going to chip our way through a little bit verse by verse through Acts chapter 13 now, verses 4 through 12. We have been set apart by Christ and this Holy Spirit, this set apart spirit in us. Acts chapter 13, verse 4. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, the set apart spirit, they and they is including a few people right now. They right now is actually going to include Saul. Barnabas, and a man we're going to read about in just a few minutes named John Mark. That's the they. They went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Now, when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God, all right, in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them really quickly. First of all, I wanted to put a, I made a picture. So I borrowed it from the, from the interwebs, and then I added a horrible red line to it. Let's see if we can throw that up there real quick. There it is. All right. Hooray. Great job, Colin. That looks fantastic. He sized that up nicely. I was worried we weren't going to be able to see it. Can you see the red line? Hopefully. All right. All right. 
Okay, so you start up in the top right, there's a star there. That's the Syrian Antioch that we've been talking about for the past few weeks that what I jokingly refer to as in the armpit of the Mediterranean. All right, that's up there in Antioch, and they come down to Seleucia, which is a port by the sea, and then they come over here to the island, whoop, I mean, squiggly line, uh, whoop, over to Salamis, which is on this island there of Cyprus, and then they, they're going to work their way all the way through the entire island down to Paphos. Track it with me? Just, you can leave that up there, Colin, for a little bit. Sometimes I think it's nice to have a visual um, there's the maps in the back of the Bible, but we'll just, you know, yours may not come with one, and that's great. I thought about just painting the whole side of this wall in an ever-growing, I mean, we're going to be in Acts for a while. Uh, if you haven't been with us, this is going to be a summer series. Um, here we are, 2023! Uh, so I thought about just painting a giant mural on the side of the wall, we, which every week we'll just fill in a little do-do-do-do-do-do. This is where we're going today in our stories that we will, anyway, for today you get a graphic. Congratulations. So that's where we're going. And a few things to note here, because there's so much here, if we're not paying attention, we can miss it. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, who sent them? We can read this, but do we understand it? Who sent them? All right, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit. First of all, they knew who sent them, which wasn't a mystery. They didn't feel the call or an urge or I have a good fuzzy feeling that I should go over there. No, they, they knew exactly what was going on there. They knew who sent them. For you and I, who sends you? Who sends you? Is it a will of the flesh? Is it like, again, I just feel like I need to do this? Can we discern from the set-apart spirit to our selfish insides and passions and desires? Is it just something you want to do? Is it, is it something that makes you feel good? Is what you're being sent to do, is it going to get you noticed? And that's really what you're after? Is it going to bring awareness to an, an issue? Is it going to bloop, blow your social media up with a million more followers? Congratulations, now you're just misleading more people. That's why it's dangerous. There are many... Churches today who have sent themselves for themselves. Again, a lot of this in Acts is cautionary for us as well. I'm not speaking at the church. I'm speaking for us as well. We have to be careful about this. We don't want to send ourselves for ourselves to get our name out in the community. Hopefully we understand that, right? All right. We're not sent by the Spirit for Christ. There's a huge difference between the two. Us sending ourselves for what we want to do, getting our name out there. Not being sent by the Spirit for Christ. Furthermore, besides knowing who sent them, they, know, they knew who was supposed to go. And why, why out of this list of men that we read earlier, they didn't say, well, we'll all go. It's a great idea. Road trip. Let's go do this together. Because this would be contradictory to what we'll read later from Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You may know this passage. There's a body of Christ, and that body is made up of many different type of believers who have different gifts. They are not all the same. The Spirit hadn't called them there, and they all knew that. This is why it's so great for us to have a, 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 a church with a few different ministry focuses. Is everyone going to be involved in the Fostering Hope ministry that we have? No. Should they be? No. Shannon's like, yay! She's on that team. She's on that. And now it might be it might be great for us to at the very least have our church be aware and be involved and be supportive and be in prayer. Be aware and be in prayer. That's a freebie. You get that one there. But you might have your own specific area that the same spirit is sending you to. Same area that might be calling out in your life. So they knew who sent them and who was supposed to go. They knew what they were supposed to do. Now the text doesn't tell us right now at this point what they were supposed to do. We're going to continue reading about that, and that's where things get fun. Now what they are supposed to do will become clear very shortly. They knew when they were supposed to do it. Here at the end of uh, verse 3, And after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Off you go. So when were they supposed to do it? Right now, immediately. Is that true for us always? Well, yes and no. 
They were being obedient to what the Spirit said. If the Spirit told them to go immediately and they waited, that would be bad. Inversely, the Spirit said, next year, I want to prepare you for this mission. And they went immediately, they went too soon, this would also be bad. They were obedient to what the Spirit said to do. Well, how will you know that about this Spirit, this set-apart Spirit? John chapter 10, I'll begin in verse 22. John chapter 10, verse 22. You can turn here or not, you can just listen, it's all good. John chapter 10, verse 22. And at the time the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem, it was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and they said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. I want a name tag. I want a badge. I want you to update your Facebook status. I want to know right now if you are the Christ. And Jesus answered them, I told you. I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Here in verse 27, pay attention. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. We've got to know the voice. Let's turn over just a few pages. John chapter 14. My sheep know my voice. I know them. They follow me. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. A few chapters over, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you recall, Jesus summed up all the law and the prophets into two what we call commandments. They would be what? If we know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? So if you love me, you will keep those things. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, capital H for me, another helper, a set-apart spirit, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Let a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. and My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's. Who sent me. This spirit, this set apart spirit that you and I as believers have, we can know and learn to know more that voice, that leading, that discernment, guiding and directing our lives, sanctifying us and convicting us of the things that need to change. It's a spirit in us to draw, make us more like Christ less like ourselves. Again, John the Baptist said, he, meaning Jesus, must increase, I must decrease. So as you and I come together, we're actually losing a little bit of our own identity for a little bit of Christ's identity. This is the way it should be. It's the way it was meant to be. Less of ourselves, more of him. Does that mean we are less than? No, he died for you. Thinks incredibly highly of you, loves you. 
these men who were being sent off also knew where they were supposed to go by this same spirit. They weren't setting off blind, and, and I'll just hope to bump into someone on the way. I'll just go north and, uh, and, and speak to people and preach the good news and hope to have a gospel encounter. This is a very specific task that they had been given. Now, does that make what I just said wrong? Well, no. If the Spirit has told you to go that way and be prayerfully waiting for a gospel encounter. They knew why they were sent to share this gospel, the good news, to invite the world to know God, to be saved through Jesus and sanctified by the Spirit, to repent of their sins and to turn to the Lord. That was Jesus' call. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. We don't like the word repent today, do we? Let's be honest. Newsflash, they didn't, they didn't either. This isn't a new thing. Oh, but I don't want to repent. Yeah. We need to repent and come back to the Lord. It's important to note here, I want to, something that I felt the Spirit leading me to say this morning. It's going to guide us into Scripture to help myself and our church, again, stay correctable, stay teachable, stay humble, and stay listening to that voice of, of the Spirit that is, is, is and should be guiding us. Sometimes I think we can often set out to do something, to do something we might think is good or a ministry or a focus or a call or a trip or a, whatever it is. We set out to do these things because, well, well, God is for us, right? I mean, we hear that on Christian radio. Blech. Sorry. We, we hear that. You, if you type in, God is for me, you will get a plethora of VBS songs. So here's a problem with that. It's one of those, last year we did a, a message series about misquoted verses in the Bible. And I, I could, if I could squeeze this one in there as a last-minute side note, this might be one of them. Romans chapter 8 is famously misquoted in a whole bunch of different areas, and that's where we're going to go. Romans chapter 8. So if you're in Acts still, turn a few pages over, you're going to find yourself in Romans. Romans chapter 8, I'm going to begin in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, the set-apart Spirit, it's obvious in us, it should be, we're producing fruit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit, same Spirit we're talking about with Barnabas and Saul and John Mark, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Bear with me. Let's keep going. And he who searches hearts, we talked about that already, searches our hearts, the set-apart hearts, or not. Very easy for him to identify that. He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know, this is the first verse we talked about last year, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Not God's going to work everything together magically for your perfect little universe. You are not at the center of God's universe. God is at the center of a metaphorical God universe. Who, who knows? He, I mean, well, that's a mind trip we're not going to go on right now. He's outside of time and space. We cannot fathom. Even our wisest people are fools in the eyes of the Lord. You are not the center of God's universe. So that was the verse from last time. 
We know that for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, God works all things together for good. Now, what's the irony in Paul writing this? He's writing this from prison. This is good. This is fine. It's like that, that uh, meme with the dog and the coffee and everything's just burning up. This is fine. He's, he's all good because why? He's got the spirit. And this is good and this, it's all great because it's all God's anyway. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. We might again become more like him in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. We could take a whole month just on that verse. For right now, we're going to keep moving. I read that so we can get to that. What then shall we say to these things? Again, I want you to know what these things are. We're going to read them. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's an if. It's not because. You know who God is for? God is for God. He's the only one who can be righteously selfish in that way. It's all about his glory. Always and forever. You want a, a glimpse of eternity? It's people laying their crowns and sh- shouting forever and ever. And winging creatures with a whole bunch of different eyes and a whole bunch of different things. Saying, you are worthy. Forever and ever. God is about God's glory. We should also be about proclaiming God's glory. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, and so a, a misled Christianese culture right now thinks this God is just for you. It's not a for, it's an if. That's a big if. Well, how are we going to know if God is for us? Well, let's return to the set-apart spirit. Are we in that spirit? Would we be identifiable set-apart? Before a holy God? Are we recognizable? Many of you are, or some of you are new this morning. Glad to see you. I have two sons. One is Landon and one is Caleb. If I brought them in here and I said, tell me which one is which, good luck. (laughs) I mean, you you get two choices and you'll figure it out. You know, some of y'all, you need like five choices. You know, like lots of kids in this church is great. It's fantastic. No offense to caters, this is a good thing. <laughs> this is a good thing. I'm glad to know every single one of you. But you might not know between Landon or Caleb. For me, I'm their father. How easy is it for me to identify my own sons? Right? We, God knows who are his. I've been set apart. And those two have been set apart for me. And they're my boys. God is for God. It's not if, it's not for God is for us. It's if God is for us. Who can be against us? We'll go on one more verse because it's fun. It's the word of God. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Hmm. bounce back to Acts chapter 13 we're going to continue in our story so they arrive at Salamis and proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews they had John or John Mark to assist them and we're going to stop here (coughs) you're like why what's there there's a lot here so they go to Cyprus why is this significant why is it significant then on that map there? They go to Cyprus. I'll tell you why, because that's okay. that's why I don't know, like that's why we're here today, right? Is this rhetorical? Should I answer? Should I answer? How's this going? Like, I'll will t- tell you at least one of the reasons why. The Acts, the answer is is found in Acts chapter four. We read it a couple weeks ago, months ago. Years ago. Uh, a couple of, we read it back in uh, Acts, Acts chapter 4, verse 36 tells us part of a clue when the Holy Spirit led them there. And thus Joseph, 
who was also called by the apostles Barnabas. This Barnabas? Yes. This Barnabas, which means a son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of... a native of Cyprus. He sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. After this, again, we have Ananias and Sapphira on multiple levels. They tried to copy someone else's sacrifice, and then they lied about it. Bad. All right, we talked about that already. So where is Barnabas going? Oh. Oh. Just like after Jerusalem, after the Damascus Road, when Saul was converted, Saul of Tarsus went home to, hmm, where was it? Tarsus. Huh. So let's just stop and think about it for a second here. So Saul converted on Damascus Road. Saul of Tarsus goes home to Tarsus. Barnabas, who's been spending a lot of different time in a church in Antioch for a number of time, he gets called where to? Oh, hmm, also, hmm, home. Furthermore, they had John Mark who's with him. And John Mark isn't just John Mark. This Mark would go on to write the Gospel of Mark. So next time you read it, this is who we're talking about. Not only did he write it, he's also Barnabas' cousin. His family. And John Mark had witnessed much of what Jesus had done in and around Jerusalem. Talk about an invaluable traveling resource. I've come to believe it. He saw it. And so they go to Cyprus. Now, there's at least one small thing we can glean from this, which isn't the takeaway, but it certainly needs to be a takeaway for us today. Our mission field starts at home. Our mission field starts at home. You have Saul of Tarsus going back to Tarsus, and again, this spanned over a decade of time between chapter 4 and now here. You have Barnabas coming home. Our, our mission field starts at home. Families, how are we doing? Your sons and daughters growing up in the knowledge of the Lord? If everyone under your household is saved, congratulations. I know you got like an aunt and uncle, a sister, a sister-in-law, a mother-in-law, you know, someone twice removed. Are, are they growing in the knowledge and the belief of Jesus Christ? We work our circles outward. Our, our mission field at the very least has to start at home. Sometimes we get our sights set out there. We disregard our four walls and our own family. And I'm guilty of this just as much as anyone else in this room is. Especially us as men. Men, Again, we talked about this last week. You're the leaders of our homes. And again, if we have the list of Titus and 1 Timothy of what Paul writes is the qualifications of an elder. What if every man in our church was qualified to be an elder? You know what we'd have? We'd have one, you know what, of a strong church. That's what we'd have. I'm censoring myself because I'm that passionate about it. Imagine if there was a church where every man was aspiring or living that level out. Imagine the difference in our homes. Imagine the difference in our schools, in our community. Imagine being sent to your own home today when you leave this place for at least a day or a week. Imagine yourself sent on a mission trip to where no one else could go. And no one else can speak the language. And no one else would put up with the dirty clothes. Or the lost toothbrushes. Or whatever intricacies envelop your own home. And the way it operates. You can, you can speak the language of your own home. You got your little quirks. We have ours. Speak into those the word of God. Our mission field starts at home. And when they had gone through the whole island, as far as Paphos, which is, by the way, a very, you thought Antioch was bad. Uh, Paphos had a very famous shrine, uh, an altar, temple to the goddess Venus. If you're unaware, 
goddess Venus was a goddess of love. And a lot of ancient Greek world, love wasn't love, it was lust. And simple passions and desires. It was very, ugh, like the thing, I won't go into it. We got earmuffs, young kids. Won't, I'll censor that out of here today in my notes and up here. Some of the things I had, I'm like, ugh, we're just going to, I don't want to read about that. But I, if you can imagine it, Paphos, there it is. So they made it all the way to Paphos, and they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish, ironic there, but a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. And he was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Let's pause here really quickly. So in a couple verses, we had the same dude with two different names. I guess weird. No, it's not. You know, I can tell you how it's not. If I said The Rock, who is that? Oh, you know him as Dwayne Johnson. Oh, same dude. Okay, we're tracking. All right? Same dude, two different names. All right? I saw this, uh, this video, I think, was, was, was going viral a couple weeks ago because there's a Rock impersonator. He's even got some of the like, same tattoos or whatever. He looks incredibly like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But he's not Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And so he walks up and down like California beaches and people think they're like they're starstruck and they're taking selfies with him and uh, ah, you know, that's so great. But if they actually knew Dwayne the Rock Johnson or at the very least follow his Twitter, they would know that he's like filming a movie in like, I don't know, New Mexico. Like it's not, it's not him, right? So again, we're back to the whole relationship set apart thing. All right, so we have Dwayne the Rock Johnson. This just goes on. Like you can think of someone with, with two names, I'm, I might even have two names for you, from you. you might, I might be Josh, I might be Pastor Josh. You know, it could be Reverend Josh. No one calls me that, but it's there. You know, that's fun. I only use that for funerals and weddings and things. Official. Sorry. It's funnier in my, funnier in my, my head there. <laughs> you know? But to my kids, I'm, I'm dad or daddy. They don't call me Josh or Pastor Josh. How weird would that be? It'd be really weird. But, to, but yeah, multiple names. So here, we basically just have a lot of clarity about these names. And some names are going to start changing here. All right? Why does he switch away from calling him Bar-Jesus to Elymas for the rest of this little, this little passage here? Well, Bar-Jesus is his Jewish name. He's a Jewish false prophet. Now, Bar means the son of. Jesus is well, Jesus. Yeshua, right? So his name would have literally meant son of Jesus. And Saul couldn't call him that. Why? Because he's not. He's absolutely not. He's a false prophet magician guy. Very not son of Jesus. So one thing we can take out of this is we've got to call some things out. We've got to call it out. We already did a message on this last year, but as a refresher, are all people children of God? No. Yay, we learned that one. Whew. All right? I was kind of worried. I'm like, that's not in my head. Please say yet. Please say no. Are all people children of God? No, they're not. All people were created in the image of God, but not all people are God's children. Who are? Those who are adopted sons and daughters. Those who have been saved, set apart. We live in a time and a culture today in which it's being promoted and popular to change your label. I'm not going to belager this too much, but boy to girl, to gender fluid, to different pronouns, to trans this or that, and so on. Furthermore, we take that mislabeling before an almighty and holy God, and then people say, they are Christians, they're tiny little bar Jesuses, when there's no fruit, there's no evidence. There's no logical, spiritual, or scriptural reason for that. I'll tell you what, there's a tiny little box here, maybe I'll get on it. There's no son of Jesus practicing magic or witchcraft. There's, there's no son of Jesus doing seances or visiting mediums. There's no son of Jesus invested in Eastern practices like yoga or non-biblical meditation. I'm preaching at you, right? You buckled up, right? There is no son of Jesus with one of those coexist bumper stickers on their car. 
Because that's not what we're here to do, is just coexist. No. We're here to draw attention to the one and only Son of God. Thanks, Ben. And if that's the case, if you feel convicted or called out, Body Bakum says, if you can't say amen, at least say ouch. If that's the case for you or someone you know, then they have vastly misunderstood the gospel, misunderstood sin, misunderstood redemption, misunderstood salvation. Our world likes to try to dilute the domain of Jesus. And instead of saying, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father in John 14, people who listen to Oprah and YouTube and beyond other countless influencers and sources lie to say there are just multiple paths to God. You can get to the same, you know, it's the same God that we worship. It's the same God of Buddha and the same God of Taoism, the same God of Islam and the same God. No! Very much no. Matthew chapter 7, and you can turn here if you would like. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 13 and 14. Jesus says, his words enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Oh, some tough words, right? The world... And even some churches like to try to make the narrow road a bit wider. Push the boundaries out a little bit. More people can come. We'll we'll cave on this issue. We won't talk about that. Widen the road. We're going to take this stance or or take this out of the Bible. Or suddenly, after much deconstruction, you've got to ask, what do you even really believe in? Really wide road. Everybody comes. No one lives. We're going to go on. Because don't think for a second that Jesus didn't have that, what he just said, to not be followed up by this. Why would then he say, talking about the narrow road and the wide road, would he then go on? Beware of false prophets. Beware. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but out inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. What was bar Jesus' fruits? Sorcery. Wizardry, magical things. And I'm not talking about like hiding a quarter behind your ear, which every grandfather can do automatically. I guess not what I'm talking about. We're talking next level. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Oh, can we set these apart? Hmm. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. He's being very clear. And I'm going to get this from that. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Now, why would he say that? Because he's about to go here. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But I was on a road. Which road? The wide one. Uh Uh-uh. But it was a way, a big, big, big way that leads to just all religions and all God. Nope. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. How will we be doing that will? We'll have to be in the Spirit, the set-apart Spirit. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we do these things? And here's the doing again, the misguided ministry. Didn't Didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? Didn't we have a televangelist thing? And didn't we like clothe 10,000 homeless people? And didn't we put a blanket on, on every needy person and a bonnet on every kid's baby's head in the hospital? And didn't we clean up after the parade? And didn't we wear our coordinated t-shirts together? I'll stuff that in one more time. And didn't we? And didn't we? And didn't we? And didn't we? And didn't we do all that stuff? And, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What's breaking the law that he's referring to? Love the Lord your God with all heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's about self-promotion, not about God promotion. And now why would he say that? Because he's about to go here. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears the words of mine and do not hear them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And woe to us today if we do not hear these words. We can't say we haven't. We all just did, and now we don't do it. A few pages over in Matthew chapter 24. Beginning in verse 4, they're, they're looking around and they want to know about the end times. Some of you might be having some of these same questions like, oh, it's so bad. When? When, Jesus? Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And his response in verse 4, chapter 24 of Matthew, and Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. What should we do? See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name. Many will come saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. You will hear wars, rumors of wars. You turn on the news, that's happening right now. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. Ooh, now it's getting good. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. You ready for that? Are you ready for this? It's coming. And when that happens, look at this in verse 10. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Verse 11. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Do we have a lot of correct prophets or many false prophets? Which one? We have a lot of the wrong we have the wide, 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 wide road. But hard is the way that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. There will be many false prophets. See that no one leads us astray. And the ones who endure to the end will be saved. The ones who endure to the end will be saved. The ones who endure to the end? Yes. But I thought I said a prayer once from a tract somebody handed me. My friend, you might not be saved. Because there should be fruit. There should be evidence. There should be on the narrow road. It should be hard. It should be hard. It will be unpopular. The ones who endure to the end will be saved. Quickly now, let's pop back into Acts before we finish up. Back into Acts chapter 13 we go. So we have Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, as a proconsul. And he has his magician wizard guy, Bar Jesus, Elimus. That is the meaning of his name. They opposed John Mark and Barnabas and Saul, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Now keep in mind, the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, had asked for this. He sought them out, brought them to him to hear what they had to say. Anyone ever seen the Lord of the Rings? The okay, not the not the new trash that's on that Amazon thing or whatever. I'm talking about like Peter Jackson. Oh yeah, Ben's getting scary over there. Specifically, there's the Riders of Rohan, all right? And there's in the second film, the two towers. There's the king, and then there's Grima Wormtongue, all right? Imagine, this is this dude. This is the king of this area, all right? 
He was a man of great power, of great wealth. Sergius Paulus. So basically the Roman uh, Empire was divided into two types of territories. On one type, you had the type that required soldiers. Judea was such a province. who They, weren't, they were a little unruly or whatever, and they reported directly to the emperor. All right? The other types of pro- provinces that were peaceful or whatever did not have soldiers in them. The soldiers were usually at the edge of the Roman Empire and in Rome itself. All right? So a lot of these other territories, like Cyprus, they had the Sergius Paulus here, who's the Roman proconsul, the whole area, no soldiers there, and of a great wealth, and he reported directly to the Roman Senate. Right? So here he is, and Grima Wormtongue. Right? But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him, and before we get there, from this point on, we will know Saul now as Paul. Tiny little name change. And you're like, when did it happen? This is right here. This, that's it. But I thought it was like an Abram to Abraham-like moment. No. I thought it was Jacob to Israel. No. It's just Saul to Paul in this change. Now, Why? Bar-Jesus is the Hebrew name, right? son of Jesus, who he's not, so they refer to him as Elymas, which is a Greek name. Saul would have been his Hebrew name, but Paul is a Roman name. Case in point, what empire are they living in? The Roman Empire. Right? Paul was a Roman citizen, and beyond that, it's hypothesized that at this moment, and shortly after, it's this Sergius Paulus, who through the process of Roman system called adrogation, adopts him into his family, which would make sense why his name would be Saul to Paul, and from this point forward referred to as Paul. Sergius Paulus literally brought into as an adopted son in that family. Have you ever seen Ben-Hur? Exactly that. Hypothesize. Text doesn't say it. But interesting nonetheless. By this point forward, he's Paul. And having a Roman name and a Roman citizenship and a Roman empire can get you really far. And he would need that for all the places he's going to go. makes perfect sense to use his Roman name in that context. What do we have here? And Paul now looks at this bar Jesus, this Elimas, and he said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? There we are to the way again, the straight and narrow way, the straight path of the Lord. You're going to try to make it crooked? You know what? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. And immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, on Elimas. And he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Pause there. Elymas is blinded. Now, if we know Saul, now Paul's story, does that sound familiar? It should. On the road to Damascus, very similar. He's blinded for a number of days until he, he meets up with Ananias there. Right? should sound familiar. But in this case, there's no record of Elymas coming to the Lord, just staying in his blindness. There is, however, a record of someone else coming to the Lord. Verse 12. And then the Roman proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a real historical guy. You can actually pull up archaeological finds and stones with this dude's name carved in them multiple places. This was a real dude. And this real dude, Sergius Paulus, believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Just like the thieves on the cross, one on either side of Jesus, one believed and one mocked. One will be in paradise, the other not. Elymas will blankly be in hell. Whereas you and I and the Lord one day will get to praise the Lord one day alongside Sergius Paulus. How cool is that? I think that's pretty cool. He chose. He looked at his, mus- his magician who'd now been blinded. And I, I cut out all the references this morning because I had a lot. There's 12 to 14 other references of immediate or causacious blinding, Old and New Testament. That would have been a whole sidetrack sermon by its own right. How do we do that? The Lord does that. 
Paul didn't do this. Because Elymas wasn't opposed to Paul. Elymas was opposed to God. He just didn't know it. The Lord blinded Elymas. Paul called it out. And the hand of the Lord is upon you. And you will be blind and able to see the sun for a time. But the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred. He was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. We're going to close up with this. Elymas had a choice. He made his. Sergius Paulus had a choice. And he made his. You must choose once and for all, just as Jesus died once and for all. Once and for all those who would be saved. You must choose. Joshua chapter 24, real quick. Some of the last words of Joshua says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Put those other things away. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then you know what? Then choose. Choose this day. Not tomorrow. Choose now. Choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Not because I'm Joshua, not because Hobby Lobby makes it easy, but we have three or four of those hanging up in our house. <laughs> you keep appreciating my wife, she's still she's going to go back to Hobby Lobby and buy more of them. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You must choose. Now, how similar is that to where we're going to close? Finally, Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. Put away the gods of your fathers. Put away the sin. As such were some of you, 1 Corinthians 6. Put away the thing. Put away the thing. Put away the thing. Put away every weight and sin which clings so closely. Yes. The way is hard that leads to life. Put away every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run then with endurance. After you've thrown off the weight, you can run free. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, this is the God we serve. For those of us who know him, this is the God we love, who loved us, and who we believe in. He can do all things. And if you don't know him today, this is the God that I'm asking you, and that eternity will hang in the balance for you until you choose. Choose this day who you will serve. Paul and Barnabas, with a set-apart spirit, on mission. Now Sergius Paulus and Elymas, they had a choice to make, and they made theirs. You and I have a choice to make. You're like, I thought I made that a few years ago or a decade ago. My next question would be fantastic. Is there fruit? Is it obvious? Is it discernible? Or the King of kings and Lord of lords who is in the business hearts and lives be able to set us apart? Are we identifiable as his children because we endured to the end? And if I'm talking to you today, your end hasn't yet arrived, neither has mine. So let's continue enduring. Put aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and choose to run. Not because God is for us, but because God is with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Pray that it would do that which you have called it to do. Separate bone and marrow, sinew and muscle, and pierce into our hearts and say, there's some things that need to change. And we know the God who can change them. So God, I pray that we Lean into your word, your truth, your life, your strength, 
that even in our weakness, your strength would be shown. That we leave today to go into the mission field, which begins in our homes. God, for all these things, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to have names that reflect yours as Christian. What an honor. What an obligation. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. This weekly podcast is a ministry of True Life Church. If you'd like to help keep these audio sermons available, you can support our ministry online at www.truelifemelbourne.com forward slash give. Until next time, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.